We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. You don't think most people would play best ball if they could? I don't think so, no. We have, besides you, we have gotten zero requests to add it as a feature. <laughs> that That's sounds true. about right. That <laughs> sounds about right. That sounds like the Andrew I know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. An early holiday gift for everybody is not Andrew Laird, who's normally with me, but John Wallen, who joins us. And John, from uh, from PlayTaga.com, of course. Uh, John, why do you only come on the show when I'm not in first place in our league? <laughs> are you not Are you not in first place anymore? No, that... no, uh, no. <laughs> I, I, you came on after the first couple of weeks when I was 0-2, made fun of me. And then I went on a 14-game win streak. You didn't come on the show. I've lost twice since. And boom, you're back. <laughs> I, I would actually say ever since you started showing off of all of these winnings that you had when you pulled that intro shenanigans with me a few weeks ago, and there you were losing two in a row in the uh, Togger <laughs> Premier Division and three in a row in the Rotowire League. Whatever, it's man. Been- that's fantastic. I actually had no idea that you lost last week until right now. Um, so that's that's fantastic. Yes. 
I'm making fun of him, really and I lost holiday. twice also. So, so I was in the holiday giving spirit the past month in both on all the Taga <laughs> leagues, basically. Dude, there's no shame in the guy you lost to. I mean, the guy you lost to is Mike Phillips, who is the reigning Perfect Eleven and Taga Premier League uh, champion. Yeah, so, and, the, I mean, and the week before that, I scored 122 points and lost. So I'm really yeah, not yeah. that worried. So it's, <laughs> you know, these are things that just happen, and I'm not really that worried about it. Uh, and I and in the Rotowire League, Kunaguero being out for three games again is killing me. <laughs> but uh, I know Andrew, you had a question before before we got started with our review of Game Week Seven today. Yeah, it was part of a Twitter conversation I was on about Tog, and I can't remember if John, you were um, roped into this or not. But um, it was a tweet that I sent out uh, before last weekend about how Patrick Van Onholt had the most chances created of any defenders over the last, I think it was four weeks, and that uh, Kyle Walker and Danny Rose were second. And somebody kind of responded that um, Van Onholt's upside wasn't that high this past weekend because, you know, the clean sheet is so dependent and that they, uh, Sunderland, give up those points so quickly. And it kind of devolved into a conversation of whether uh, defenders earn clean sheet points or if they only lose them. And I was wondering how you guys felt about that. So like this guy thought that every defender went into a game with six points because they have the clean sheet when the game starts and they can only lose that as opposed to earning those six points towards the end. Obviously, a I guess, half full, half. So, 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 John, let me let me let me give one point first. And I'll let I'll let you have the floor. Um, in order to qualify for a clean sheet, you must play 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, no, I disagree with that on that principle alone. OK, but, but go yeah. ahead, John. That's exactly that's exactly my take. the The larger point that uh, we were engaged in on Twitter was, you know, clean sheets are the only thing, are the only points that you can earn for doing nothing. But that's not true. You have to affirmatively a, I mean, in in almost every case, you have to get the start, and you have to play at least sixty minutes, and your team needs to keep a clean sheet. I mean, like, yeah, I guess technically it's passive in as much as if you walk into one of those nil nil, everybody's logy and happy to go home, great. But for the most part, there is a considerable amount of effort that's expended in making sure that your team doesn't concede a goal. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. Like this idea that, just like you said, that you can do nothing and get the points. Um, and then it was just even better that he got the clean sheet and scored a goal. So that just made me feel better about everything. But that's all I had yeah, to say PBA to start is great. this. No, but here's the other point on that too, though, Andrew, right? It's like, it's it's also not a bonus. Like, I, I don't I don't agree with like, it's like found money. You can, as a, an active fantasy manager, as an intelligent fantasy manager, you can go out and make an effort to start players who you believe or can prove are at a substantial advantage in scoring those six points week over week. And I don't see, I don't personally play that way because they can be fickle because a penalty decision in you know the dying embers of a game can ruin you know the best laid plans. But I do think that there is value. And if you're in a very competitive league, there's nothing wrong with expending a little bit of your energy trying to figure out which players have the best chance of keeping a clean sheet and then giving them like a little bump, two, three, four spots in your personal rankings each week. For, I mean, also, the thing about clean sheets, and I've said this a few times in the past, right, that the number of clean sheets total is it's not going up every year. In fact, it's either stagnant or if even uh, if there's a if there's a rise, it's marginal. But I think it was like five of the last six years. The total number of clean sheets has gone down every single season. Uh, so it's not it's not something that is as predictable as it used to be, even in the most friendliest of matchups. Yep. 
I get that. So Although, yes, point, I, Ch- yeah, Chelsea's I throwing that to the, out the uh, well. Menu. Yeah, this well, fine. The, the, the exception that proves the rule, <laughs> right? I, 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 how many people took Hugo Lloris when they played Hull or something like that, and Hull still got a goal? Mm-hmm. Like, like Burnley it, it, last it, weekend. Yeah, that's what I meant. Burnley, Burnley, yeah. not Hull. But yeah, I, I it just it doesn't make. I mean, I think I actually had Tom Heaton and Hugo Lloris in the Rotowire league, and I chose Tom Heaton just because just because of saves, and it turned out to be the correct decision. Like it's, I think, I think though, what you have to look for in defenders for me, especially in the Taga format is, do they actually get involved going forward? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think of clean sheets as something, yes, it's earned, It's a, but I don't think it's something that I'm going to try to predict. Those are just, you know, that's just the icing on the cake. I'm not actually actively looking for that stuff in, especially in Taga. I will point out that what I'm talking about here is exclusively clean sheets for defenders because I think if you chase clean sheets for goalkeepers, it's a fool's errand. I mean, when you look at the fact that uh, Courtois has 10 clean sheets and is still trailing Tom Heaton by 20 points overall this season (laughs) um, in Taga, and you consider the fact that Tom Heaton missed three matches. Yeah, he missed a few games. Right. Courtois hasn't missed any. And then it's, it doesn't take a, you know, a genius to scroll your eyes over to the right and see that in the save column, Tom Heaton's out pointing T-ball Courtois uh, 78 to 34. And, I mean, like, that's, that's a massive amount um, of save points that Heaton is, is earning. And it's, you know, it clearly offsets the chance to chase a clean sheet. I'm not saying you shouldn't start Courtois if you have him. But, I mean, if you're sitting there and you're trying to decide between Jordan Pickford and Fraser Forster... I will tell you there's almost no chance that Jordan Pickford keeps a clean sheet. I think Pickford has, what, two clean sheets this season, maybe? If that many. He, He's got one, one in his last one, sheet. though. One in his last one, two on the season. And uh, Fraser Forster's second right now in the Premier League with seven clean sheets. And Jordan Pickford is outpointing Fraser Forster almost two to one. Pickford has 124 points in Taga. He has uh, to Forster's 80. And even if you want to turn over and you want to look at um, you want to look at like the official game or something like that. Um, Forster has 60 points in, in that league. Um, and Pickford has 51. And obviously like that's not a massive swing, nine points over 17 games. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, I, again, it, I'm, I'm, com- I'm comfortable chasing clean sheets for defenders and, and just not for goalkeepers. Yeah. I- I'm uncomfortable chasing clean sheets for both defenders and for goalkeepers. <laughs> I to me that it's to me it's really just icing on the cake and I'd rather just get a guy like Holy Boss, like Jose Holy Boss, who's just constantly getting forward. That's who I'd rather have. Hmm. Okay. All right, and with that, let's move into our review of game week 17. We talked about Thibaut Courtois and all of his friendly stats. He added to them uh, in the 1-0 victory for Chelsea over Crystal Palace. Uh, This is, I think, three consecutive 1-0 victories for Chelsea, and uh, no Diego Costa coming up. So he finally got his fifth yellow card. I think he did it on purpose. Uh, I I really didn't think he wanted to play any time around Christmas, so he made sure that he didn't. But... uh, he did get the goal uh, from Espilicueta's, I would say, hopeful loft, lofted through oh, ball. Oh, uh, was a great cross. What do you mean hopeful? It was hopeful. <laughs> Espilicueta, if he could do that consistently, we would score a lot more. Uh, but uh, Chelsea Chelsea did pick up the 1-0 victory. It was, it was hard fought again, uh, but uh, these are the kind of games that champions grind out to get three points. Uh, right, Andrew? Yeah, I think... Uh... Like we said, there was, uh, I don't think there was any hesitation really that Chelsea was not going to win. I mean, anybody who thought that was, I think, giving Palace a little too much credit. 
the only thing that people are worried about is that Chelsea aren't scoring a ton, but, um, you know, ultimately we were always looking at Diego Costa to start, and I guess Eden Hazard has been a little quiet since he got banged up, but um, I don't think many people were, you know, winning their leagues because they had Pedro or um, pulling Fabregas off the bench. So I don't know if anything has really changed, even though they're not scoring as many goals. Well, one thing that I would like to ask John is, um, you know, is Marcus Alonso your number one defender for Taga? Probably definitely right now, but I'm talking rest of the season. Yeah, Marcus, it's Marcus Alonso, and I don't think it's close. I mean, it, that's a little bit dismissive of, you know, the work that Kyle Walker and uh, Virgil van Dijk and, and Danny Rose have done. But, um, I, I mean, Marcus Alonso flat out is not playing as a defender, which, you know, is, is incredibly helpful. Um, but he's contributing uh, defensively. He's contributing offensively. And I think he's still averaging over 16 points per match. Um, even within Chelsea, I believe that on a, on a per-match basis, he's outpointing Diego Costa um, in our format. And uh, when he came in, I know there was, a, there was an informal whip around between, I think, Andrew and, and Neil Thurman and myself and, and maybe you, Mike, and we were just saying, like, uh, I think Neil and I were pretty heavy on the Alonzo train, and you guys were on the wait-and-see path on that one. I can't recall. Um, I know that Neil bought in hard, and I was like, well, the last time Neil did this, he won the league, so I'm going to jump on his coattails. And started touting Marcos Alonso everywhere. Um, he's been a fixture in, in the, art, the weekly article that I write, um, picking the perfect 11, and, and he hasn't let me down yet. Yeah, for me, I mean, Marcos Alonso, at least at the beginning of the season, I said as long as it's a back four, I'm not big on it. Uh, I thought they were going to move to a back like a three-five-two, but uh, when, when it was the back four, the way that they had it before, first of all, he wasn't playing at the beginning of the season because they had Aspiliqueta on the left and Ivanovic on the right, which was just lunacy. Um, but it, it, at, at the beginning of the season, that's why I was like, just wait till he starts. But now I'm thinking he's going to even expand his role because did you see his free kick? That went off yeah. the crossbar. Jeez. Uh, any any left-footed free kick at this point, he should be taking them, and David Luiz should just keep playing defense. Yeah, I think I tweeted that like instantaneous with that. I was like, oh, Marcos Alonso's seemingly uh, unsurpassed value keeps rising. Like, how do you how do you give that guy free kicks? I mean, this is like peak Leighton Baines right now. Yeah, it, I, I I think I said this at the beginning of the season with Andrew. I was like, I. I I did. I discounted Willian. I discounted well, if Fabregas had played because I thought that they would be splitting corners with with Alonso because Marcus Alonso has a really good left foot uh, from from the dead ball spot. So you're. I think we're finally starting to see the full um, the, the the full the full complement of tools that Marcus Alonso brings to the table. But uh, on the Palace side here, I think Johan Kabay looked very good in this game. Uh, I think. From the from a complete midfield perspective, he has the chance to score a lot of points because he does things on both sides of the ball. Um, I believe also Jason Punchin went down injured in this game, if I'm not mistaken, Andrew. Um, I'm not sure. Did he even play? Oh, yeah, he did play. Yes, you're right. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, the Kabai is, has to be like the most frustrating player. Like he he looks good every so often, but he's not like a huge accumulator. So it's not like... Um, it's not like he's making a huge difference if he's not scoring and he's not really a high-scoring midfielder. So, I mean, I still put him firmly behind Wilfred Zaha, and I would probably keep him behind a, a fit punch-in. Well, uh, I, I, what was interesting to me is, you know, Andros Townsend came on and did, again, absolutely nothing. And if it, ha- if, it, if, it's, if, it if there is no if there's no fit punch-in, 
uh, uh, Wallen, do you believe that Kabai has the most to gain? Kabai definitely has the most to gain. I'm, I, I still can't figure out what happened to Andros Townsend, um, <laughs> why he cannot find a spot in that team. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've always I, – I have a, a disproportionate love for Johan Kabai based on the fantasy returns that he's actually earned for my side. Um, even now, he's, he's not fantastic on a, a per match. Like, yeah, he's only played 915 minutes, but he's only averaging, you know, again, in, in Tagus format, he's averaging seven points per match, which is uh, worse than Scott Dan, right in that same team. Um, and I don't think anybody believes Palace has been a, you know, a defensive force. Yeah. Um, Punchian, definitely a better option there. Wilfried Zaha, I mean, this is the season of Zaha. The guy's... Guy's lighting it up. He's got three goals, eight assists, which is one goal and one assist better than Dimitri Payet. So, like, it's it, it's it's Zaha, it's Benteke, it's Punchian. I would argue it's James MacArthur because he's scoring points and he's consistently in that eleven. You know, MacArthur's five goals, two assists this year. Got uh, to kind of be uh, unsustainable. I mean, he's only recorded six shots on target. If my numbers are updated, they may not be. But I think he has six shots on target, mm-hmm. five goals. Yep. And he has two assists from 11 chances created. So nine key passes, two assists. None of those are none of those are particularly sustainable numbers. But, um, you know, we've seen kind of fluke outlier seasons before. And when a guy's getting the minutes, I think all three of us, and that's you know, one of the, those drums that we bang particularly in draft format, is if you got two guys, you're starting the guy that's playing every week. Because... There's no substitute for, uh, you know, for minutes played. Unless you're Solomon Kalou, the once upon a time, the super sub who scored almost every time he came yeah. off the bench. But <laughs> <laughs> no, that 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 is, that is very much not in the real realm of possibility. Uh, but we we've I'm sorry I've made this a Chelsea podcast again. Uh, <laughs> we we need to move. I don't know on. why you apologize. Uh, you clearly mean to do it every time. That is not true. I really just get carried away. All right. Bob Bradley and Swansea travel to Borough and just get absolutely trounced 3-0, and that was flattering to Swansea. Uh, I've said this before, Andrew. It's going if to they, – if they, if they got to get points on Boxing Day, he may not make it to the new year. They look worse. Uh, I still kind of disagree. I think they're – I don't think they have any reason to not any not that they don't have a reason, but I think they're comfortable with seeing what he can do in the coming weeks. I mean, it's not like he hasn't won any games. I mean, they're obviously absolutely atrocious to, uh, defensively, but um, you know they're they're struggling. But I don't think they brought him in thinking that they were going to win the league right away. So um, I mean, they're not even last. How about that? And the, on, goal I mean, dif- on goal difference, they're not last. But well, you can you can it, avoid relegation by goal differential. So yeah, not when you're not when you're two points behind 18th place and three points behind 17th. And uh, for yeah. the team in 17th place, for the team in 17th place, they're also minus 13 in goal differential. Well, here's the big problem with investing. I mean, I, I touted investing in Swansea three weeks ago because I looked at the schedule with Sunderland, uh, Albion, and Borough and said. You know, for the for the top end guys, Gilfie Sigurdsson, Leroy Fair, Fernando Lorente, um, these are the guys that you want to invest in on this team. They're all probably going to be differential plays because most people don't seem to trust Swansea at all. They probably did it, went out and you know got slaughtered. But this is this five match streak where if they're not taking real life points, they're they're in serious trouble because 
18, they're in at West. Uh, they're hosting West Ham. 19, they're hosting Bournemouth. Those are you know, those are both two home matches. They get Crystal Palace away in game week 20 on short rest. That can't look good to them. And then 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26 is Arsenal, Liverpool, Southampton, Man City, Leicester. Oh. <laughs> uh, if Bob Bradley doesn't pick up three, six, maybe he's, he even needs to pick up nine points in these next three matches. I mean, they're going to get destroyed in the coming six weeks. There's, it's entirely possible they go on a six-match losing streak there, and you know they're just completely out of it before we even see March 1st. Um, it's, it's a brutal run of fixtures. But then they're done with them. Then the rest of the season is cake. <laughs> yes, and then that's when the new coach comes in. Yes, exactly. And Paolo Di Canio or whatever other retread that they decide to pick up there is going to look like a brilliant coach when no, no, 14 no, no, points no. They're for gonna, his last gonna, two matches. They're going to get Jurgen Klinsmann to, make, to keep the USA link going. Oh. How funny would that be? How funny would that be that if after Bob Bradley gets fired from Swansea, here comes Jurgen Klinsmann to come save the day again? Oh. Oh. <clears throat> would he quit coaching? Bradley? Would you quit coach? Yeah. No, come on. That he just keeps getting replaced by the same guy? By Jurgen, yeah. <laughs> All right. On the Burrow side, though, let's get to Burrow, who actually did perform very well. Uh, you, uh, you, Andrew, ranked Gaston Ramirez last week. I kind of made fun of you for it. But, you did. Uh, and Negredo. Uh, yes. Fine. Uh, Negredo, fine. All right. Uh, but, did he do but anything? Gaston... I don't remember. Did Negredo do anything last week? I don't know. Let me look it up really quickly. Oh, look, he scored twice. <laughs> wow. What a... What a what a surprise there! Uh, no, but for Negredo, I mean, Negredo, yes, when he gets the service, he can score the goals, but he really doesn't get that much service. But Gaston Ramirez didn't even provide Negredo his service; he provided Martin to ruin his uh, for his goal, uh, which was a great cross by Ramirez, by mm. the way. Yeah, uh, but it was uh, it was Clayton and Forshaw on the assists on Negredo's goals. Um, other than Negredo and Gaston Ramirez, any name that you think is repeatable there? I mean, Martin Darun has been sneaky good in a Taga perspective, right, John? Yeah, Martin Duran's fine, but you guys are missing George Friend, and George Friend is probably the most valuable Borough player. I would take don't, him. Don't, don't tell me I'm missing George Ramirez. Friend. He's a, he's on my team. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean Darun is he's doing fine from a if you want to pick him up and, and throw him in your lineup, he's probably going to get you six, seven, eight points. Fabio actually was lighting it up. Um, you know, he's averaging almost ten points a game in Taga, which is sort of the benchmark for you are a you know a top. X player at your position, which means that, you know, you should be started in a, in a 10 team league. So for defenders, you know, we typically say that's, you know, top 30 as most people choose to go with three at the back. Um, but he posted in that, uh, in that three, nothing win over Swansea, Fabio uh, posted 21 and a quarter points, um, mostly because he was phenomenal with the ball at his feet. Um, he created two chances. Um, he had uh, two successful crosses and, and he's really kind of showing that, He's, uh, you know, maybe Patrick Van Anhalt light. Like he's, you know, he's never been touted as a very good defender. It's why he's not at Manchester United anymore. And it's one of those plays where if he's in the 11 on a given week, I'm looking at my team and making a, a, day, a game time decision about whether or not I want to pick him up and, and start him. Um, I also I'm personally like Antonio Barragan, mm -hmm. um, but the numbers just aren't there to justify starting him. But if you're somebody that likes to have let's say four or five defenders on your team with two of them on the bench. Um, I'm perfectly comfortable having him be my defender five. 
um, over a lot of guys on, on quote-unquote, better defenses. And let's keep in mind, I mean, Middlesbrough's the fourth-best defense in the league. They've only conceded 19 goals. I mean, this is a team that is perfectly adept at keeping the ball out of the net. Um, they're equally adept at keeping the ball out of the net on the offensive side. Um, but, you know, for, for defenders, I like, I like friend, I like Barragon, um, and I, I like Fabio. Um, can I throw one more ridiculous stat at you guys? Because Please it's hilarious do. to me. Sure. Um, so Tottenham is currently leading the EPL in shots on target. They have taken 111. Liverpool are just two behind them at 109. Middlesbrough are dead last. Any guesses as to how many shots they've registered on target this season? Uh, I was. Uh, we've played 17 games. I was going to say about uh, 40. Oh. Yeah, F- 45. 45. Yeah, I had been looking at. I, I figured it was about two a game. Because yeah. they just don't they don't shoot on target very often and when they do is usually from outside the box and it dribbles in. They have the second it's, fewest it's, shots, not even just shots on target too. It's only one more than Burnley. It's pretty bad. For Burrow yeah, for Burrow, what's I mean, yes, they have the fourth best defense and they still have a negative goal differential. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. I mean, that, that's how. That's how inept they are offensively. So yes, keep on ranking Gaston Ramirez and Alvaro Negredo. Keep doing it. I mean, I'm gonna, so gonna keep Negredo. doing it. We do weekly rankings. It was a good matchup yes. this that weekend. Yes, I understand. But even in Doesn't good matchups, like they've only they scored one fewer goal than game played. Well, they haven't played uh, Swansea every week. That's the difference. Well, that's true. So we've we've been on uh, for forty minutes. We've talked about four teams. So this podcast is two hundred minutes long, I gather. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. We're, we're, well. Trust me. Trust me. When we when we get when we get the things that aren't interesting, we'll move right through them. The one thing <laughs> but, I do, uh, the last thing about Burrow though is that Fabio is the reason Friend is not playing. Like, friend, I don't think Friend's starting anytime soon. Well, Friend was injured, so I mean, I think he, he, but he's been play. he's been back for weeks. He's been sitting on that two, bench for weeks. Two matches, right? Um. I think it was three. Okay. But I, because I, I, I've been playing three, three, oh man. I think George Friend may be the MVP of my, of my uh, Taga team because when he doesn't play, I don't win. <laughs> but like, do you sit <laughs> Fabio to play Friend? Meaning, does Burrow do that? I mean, I think they would. Yeah. So Friend missed five matches. Well, he didn't play in five matches and right. he got 29 minutes last time out. Yeah. He came uh, on from Ramirez when they were up 2 nothing. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. The interesting thing is, yeah, Fabio clearly did not factor in the plans until he didn't get a single minute until he went out injured. So this feels like a Pedro Willian thing. The guy left and all of a sudden the guy who comes in is better and they just keep playing him. Yeah. This one isn't because because his mother died. Well, it's (laughs) injury. I mean, it was injuries. I mean, yeah, they call it, they call it Willian, right? When, when somebody yeah. beats you to something by a little bit, it's called Willian. Uh, or, yeah, yeah. Will, Will, Willian Bledsoe. That's what they call it. Uh, no, it, all right. We've talked way too much about Burrow and Swansea. They, they are, oh, come on. I want to make antiquated baseball references. Fine. <laughs> Try and see if you can weave one into Stoke 2, Leicester 2. <laughs> Uh, for, for, for Stoke, actually, a couple, I mean, uh, some usual suspects were on the board in terms of Joe Allen getting a goal just when we all thought he was done. Uh, and I had the choice between picking up Boyan or picking up Jonathan Walters in the Rotowire Taga League. I picked up uh, Jonathan Walters and Boyan scored. Mm-hmm. So that's how that went. And uh, Gianelli and Bula actually looked like he was actually worth some of the money he was brought in for. Uh, he, may, he had some commanding runs against that Leicester midfield and defense. Uh, 
one leading to one leading to I believe it was uh, Joe Allen's goal. But I I I, can't, I gotta be honest, I only watched a couple minutes of this game. Uh, the big news from this one is Jamie Vardy straight red. The appeal was thrown out, so he is done for three games. Um, just adding to an already bad season for Jamie Vardy and. Uh, Leonardo Uchoa, who came, who, who came on, uh, actually scored uh, the equalizer, and Daniel uh, Daniel Amarte scoring the other one for Leicester. Another good one, good thing for Leicester is Christian Fuchs got on the board with an assist. He actually looks like one of the top defenders, at least temporarily, but he's been buried in our rankings, Andrew. Fuchs. Yes. Yeah, I mean he should be. <laughs> like you said, he like, like you said, he hasn't been doing enough that to warrant it, and um, he's also I mean, suspended. <clears throat> yes, yeah, because he got he got his fifth yellow. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, oh, well, yeah. they got Robert, Robert, Huth, Robert Huth also suspended. Jamie Vardy really? also suspended. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, no one surfing. wants to play on Christmas. No one wants to play around Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I mean the uh, the idea that that Fuchs is now like playable, obviously after the suspension, falls just in the same thing as Vardy. Like he when he had that hat trick, we're like, oh yeah, we should play him again. It's like no, this is. A one-off, and I don't think there's any reason to think that like Leicester's all of a sudden going to go back to being a defensive powerhouse again. Am I wrong? No, I mean Mendy came in and hasn't played. The the loss of Conte has been, I mean, staggering. I think far worse than anybody. Even when we all sat around going, "Oh well, there goes Leicester. They're going to get relegated." Ha ha ha! During the summer when the Conte transfer happened, I don't think any of us really thought it was going to happen. Like this, the loss of him. And the way that his presence allowed Riyad Mahrez to essentially run amok, because Mahrez is, is most certainly feeling the absence of uh, of Conte the most. And it's is that the single the single greatest transfer out in recent history? I mean, I guess Luis Suarez leaving Liverpool, going to Barcelona, was pretty bad for how that team was constructed. But I just I don't see Ranieri's side being able to cope without having that that playmaker at that level uh, bossing the match. Someone made especially a great... because sorry, Mike, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, especially because Conte doesn't—he's not an offensive player, or uh, he—he's not someone who's going to fill the stat sheet with with many stats that people notice. So, uh, you know, in that regard, I think this is definitely one of those um, really defining transfers in terms of Chelsea being able to switch to the system they play, and Leicester not being able to function the way that they functioned last season. It's, I'm going to make a ridiculous comparison only because of the teams involved, but I mean, this is Real Madrid letting Claude Makélélé walk out the door when That's every single player in Real's locker room said, Claude is our most important player. And the board went, yeah, and sold him. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, to be fair, I mean, to be fair, you know, they, they thought, I mean, to be fair for Leicester, they thought this was the peak price they were going to get for N'Golo Conte. They happened to be wrong, uh, but... I, think I thought, thought you. Were, that, I thought you were going to say, to be fair, had Makélélé never transferred out of Real Madrid, no one would be a Chelsea fan today. I mean, was that, I, was I, that not where you were going? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I came. I to be honest, to be, to be fair, I came on to the scene later than Makélélé, so it's not like. <laughs> I can't speak for that. So I actually was a Chelsea. I became a Chelsea fan even later than that. So I think you know, somebody uh, pointed out uh, the other day that on like through this many games last year, Chelsea were 14th and Leicester were first, and now they're switched this year. 
and Conte yeah. is the difference. Yeah, uh, uh, clearly. The one difference. Yeah. <laughs> There's been no coaching change at all. Nope. Okay. Uh, for Stoke and Leicester, in terms of in terms of Leicester going forward, um, does Islam Slimani, his value, go, does it go up or down, Andrew? Because of... Vardy. Vardy? No, I don't... I'm... I think he's perfectly capable of producing on his own next to Okazaki or if they play Demarai Gray up there. Like, I think Slimani's kind of, his production is indifferent because of Vardy. Okay. All right. Let's go on to Sunderland then. Let's talk about one of Andrew's favorite players in Patrick Van Aanholt, who scored the lone goal in Sunderland's 1-0 victory over Watford. Uh, he is b- being one of the stars, and uh, and for for John Wallen mentioning Jordan Pickford earlier in the podcast, he got four saves and the clean sheet, so that's a good day for him. Uh, his and as also we mentioned, he, he's got one clean sheet in his last one, but he might only have two on the season. So, um, I think we set this up. So, so John Wallen, could you name the three players that have scored goals for Sunderland? Uh, Victor and Ichi B. Duncan Watmore and Jermaine Defoe. No, Come, dude, we just said that Patrick Van Aanholt scored. <laughs> oh, yeah, here we go. So, uh, Victor Nietzsche, Patrick Van Aanholt, and Jermaine Defoe. Yes, that's correct, and that continues to be the case today. Oh man, it's good. It's a good. It's a good thing we're all paying attention. Uh, no, for, uh, but but Andrew, um, for what? I mean, for Sunderland, it's really just those three, right? You can't pick anybody else ever. I mean, it may be Jordan Pickford, right? But I. I uh, I, I'm not as I'm not as high as John is on Jordan Pickford, even though for FPL his price is too good to pass up. But if you have options, I don't think he's going to be one of them. Uh, I think he's perfectly playable. I mean, he kind of he's not as good as a getting saves as um, as Tom Heaton, but he's going to have plenty of shots sent his way. So he's going to be one of those kind of boomer bust goalkeepers like we saw last weekend. But um, yeah, I think anybody who thinks they're going to get like great value out of Yanazai or Ndong or Jason Denier playing in defensive midfield, like that's those guys are not going to give you anything. We we've seen the center backs have plenty of value on formats like uh, Fanduel because of the clearances, because all they do is try to get the ball out of the box. So that's you know Lamini Kone or Jilaboji, uh, but it's just yeah if you're looking for goals it's those three and one of them happens to be a defender who you know may score twice more this whole season and still have a good year something to note for Sunderland both Gilaboji and Kone leave for the African Cup of Nations coming up in January and parts of February so that defense John O'Shea get, time it's right it's gonna get worse for Sunderland <laughs> defensively oh hey, uh, real quick note on AFCON since we just brought it up um, one of the problems with Islam Salami, if you're playing in the salary cap game, is, yeah, he'd be a great replacement for Jamie Vardy for the next two or three weeks, uh, but then he's also gone to Afghan. Yeah, he's gone too. So if yeah, he's, a real, Lester, he's a real short-term replacement. Lester get hit hard by AFCON. Mm-hmm. They, I think they lose six players to AFCON. So uh, it, it's it, they Lester, – Lester, as you know it, will change in January and February. To my knowledge, it, it, Champions League doesn't come back until February, correct? Um, I believe that's right. Yeah, because that would just be awful if Leicester had to go into the Champions League without all those six guys because of African Cup of Nations. Yeah, but yeah February 14th. Think, yeah, okay, so that's that's after the AFCON. Okay, uh, but for, uh, yeah, there's nothing else to say about Sunderland Watford unless, uh, uh, in, hold on, actually, I have, one, I have one question. I know what Andrew's response is, but John, 
is it safe now to finally stop talking about and drop uh, Etienne Capu? Um, sure. I, again, in in salary cap, I dropped him uh, 12 weeks ago. <laughs> in draft, I'm probably never going to be ready to drop him because he's always going to be a viable midfielder five, and he's going to be fine to put in. Um, he'll get you seven to nine points in Tagus format. Um, I'm sure if you're playing, um, um, you know, for money on one of the weekly sites, you'll be able to handpick those days when his value is just like very, very low, uh, or his cost is very low and his value is high. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, he's done. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Let's move on to West Ham and Hull. Much to my surprise, uh, Andy Carroll did not score mm. in this one, but it was West Ham one, Hull zero. Uh, Mark Noble converting the penalty, uh, and uh, Miguel Antonio earning said penalty. For Darren Randolph, it was another great day for him. Four saves and a clean sheet. Uh, I know that, Andrew, you wanted to use David Marshall. He did pick up the four saves but did let in that penalty to ruin the clean sheet. Overall, though, it would have been a good day if you started him. Uh, But but for West Ham, no – I mean this wasn't a dominant Dimitri Payet game. This was not an Andy Carroll game. This was Mark Noble doing Mark Nobley things. Um, Is Mikel Antonio back to his – October ways, his early season ways. Is he is he is he continuing to make that impact for you, uh, John? Yeah, I just looked at Antonio pretty heavily last night as I was finishing up my uh, my weekly column, and I included him in um, in the eight midfielders that I selected as uh, you know somebody to keep an eye on for eighteen. I think that West Ham's run here plays nicely into allowing fantasy owners the opportunity to see if Antonio is in fact back. Um, as we mentioned, uh, in talking about Swansea, West Ham traveled to Swansea on Boxing Day. Um, they get, uh, excuse me, they get Leicester um, on New Year's Eve. Um, I mean, they're both away from home, but neither of those sides should really be terribly imposing. And I think you can you can get away with a lot. And, and Antonio is one of the guys that I'm happy to have in my lineup for the next two weeks to see if he is back. Um, and you know, make that make that evaluation maybe a little bit more fully on January first. Man, for Mike, how many goals do you think Antonio finishes with this season? Uh, With his head or with his feet? Realistically, overall, all body parts. All all body parts? I think he gets, I want to say, four or five more the rest of the season. Okay. I don't want to stick, I don't want to be like, oh, he'll score 20 this season. I wasn't Uh, expecting 20, but like if you thought it was 15, then he's halfway there, you know, almost halfway there. Yeah, I, I'm thinking closer to 12, like 10 to 12 would be mm-hmm. a nice a nice range for him. I mean, it's it's I mean, really what it's about is what position is he playing? Like from from right wing back or whatever he's going to play. That's un, it's unrealistic to think even 10 goals is possible, but he keeps getting on the back post and heading balls in the net. Mm-hmm. And Dimitri Payet's going to find him if he's there. Yeah. But that's a good point too because He's gotten to where he is in terms of overall fantasy value by scoring seven goals in you know the first 17 matches. Right. But he only has two assists. And do you also think he only finishes the season on four assists? Because I could see that assist total ticking up, maybe picking up four or five assists over the back half of the season. Yeah. So if he only scores three goals, but he has five assists, that essentially offsets, and he remains a top 10 player at his position. The only reason why I hesitate on that is I believe both assists were penalty drawn or drawn penalties. Correct. And that's exactly what I was going to say, too. He's not uh, for him to get assists. He needs the ball and that ball's not going over there. It's going to it's going to Dimitri Payet. 
you know, and there's, I mean, there's also playmakers in front of him. Like if, if the goalie or IU starts on the right-hand side in front of him, they're going to have the ball more than he is uh, in terms of, you know, setting up for assists. I, I don't think that Antonio is that kind of a player, which is why in our EFs league, in the one that Andrew and I are in, I desperately tried to trade him. Uh, no, I, the, I think the best trade offer I got was from Andrew and it was for basically two players. I just love in my heart, but no, but don't really have any, they don't have any value in Bajuai <laughs> and, and Ahmed Musa. <laughs> I was like, um, that's not enough, but I do love those. I players. should have thrown Trippier uh, in there and it would have been a done deal. Uh, yeah, definitely. Damn. That's one of the biggest misjustices of the premier league this season. <laughs> um, okay. So real quick, you're, you're writing, you're wrong, right? Antonio has. 15 key passes this season and basically 15 of oh, technically 17 fantasy chances created, but really only 15 real life chances created since both of his assists came from drawing um, penalties, but that's still third on this team. I mean, Payet paces the premier league, you know, he, he but creates the most chances by far of any player in the premier league. I mean, he vastly outstrips even Alexis or, or Kevin De Bruyne or anything like that. Lanzini has no assists um, and 19 chances created. Again, if my, if my stats are up to date, and Antonio's third on um, on 17 or 15, depending on how you want to value those um, those uh, penalty assists. So, like, I get what both of you are saying, but there's also no one else at West Ham doing it. And like, I would say there's a 40% chance that Dimitri Payet doesn't play for West Ham on February 1st. So yeah, that was I was just about to bring that up as well. Like, is is Dimitri Payet on this team past January? But that that doesn't help Antonio. Helps his fantasy value, right? How? Because literally all of those balls that Dimitri Payet owns play, currently play have to get field. spread somewhere else. He has to push further up the field. Yeah, I he'll mean, play. Like, that's that, that, yeah. that's that's the big difference. He'll play as the right midfielder. He won't play as the right back. I mean, I'm not sure. I think it's yeah, Lanzini who ends up getting the ball more, not Antonio. Whether well, Antonio no, is further I, up the pitch, I, I, that's great. But like. Yeah, that's that's the difference to me is he'll have more opportunity being in the box more because he'll be he he's someone who's classified, I believe, as a forward, but plays defense. Who? <laughs> like, uh, Antonio, uh, uh, maybe I mean, he's, he's a you No, know, I guess in DraftKings, like I think I put him as a forward once. Mm-hmm. So I thought that he was a forward, but he's a midfield slash forward probably in that regard. But he plays defense. I mean, he, he plays defense as much feet. as Victor Moses does. They play the same position. Yes, I, I, so. I'm aware. I'm just saying I'm not sure how are we how are we making this all of a sudden Antonio's better when Payet leaves his position doesn't change at all. I disagree. I think I I think I don't I think that they would actually put in a proper right back and they would put Antonio really up front. I think they would put him in like the Andre Ayew role. I so a right back who's not there right now. They sell Payet and get a right back. This is what we're saying. Like they need there, the there's a reason they play back three. It's because they have nobody to play right back. Arbaloa, yeah. oh, <sighs> you can say as much as you want, but the guy hasn't played more than like 12 minutes in five years. So yeah, I I I did, I, I thought I, I was going to mention Arbaloa, but I was like, no, that's a colossal yeah. fossil. He's not, <laughs> he's not getting in any games. All right, for Hall, there is really nothing to speak of here, and uh, again, they stink out loud, especially on the road, uh, but. The only usable piece – there's two usable pieces to me on Hull, and that's David Marshall occasionally and Robert Snodgrass. Again, occasionally. I'm Has any gonna, of that changed? I'm not going to disagree. Okay. John, do you uh, disagree with any of that? 
No, I, I boycott Hull because their social media team refuses to put out proper starting lineups on Twitter. So, oh, was, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Good call. Yep, that must be frustrating for you too. Okay, Manchester United travel to the Hawthorns in a game that I thought would be extraordinarily entertaining, and it was not. Uh, it was Zlatan Ibrahimovic and some Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and then a little more Zlatan Ibrahimovic for a 2-0 victory for Manchester United. Zlatan getting both goals, assisted once by Lingard and the other by Rooney. Um we talked about it last week, Andrew, if Rooney started, we actually did like his value here, and I always like Zlatan in every game. There is no game that he goes into where I think he can't score. Mm-hmm. So it's. It, it, I think he's taken, in the last six games, I think he's scored, I want to say it's been seven times, something like that, or it's six, no, the last six games, it's something like six goals, or he's had seven shots on target, something like that. And yeah. Seven he's goals had in six games. Yeah, seven goals in six games, and I think he's been converting at like close to a 50% clip in terms of shots on target to goals. So uh, he's been extraordinarily efficient in the past six games. So it's actually uh, anyone who... it's seven goals on eight shots, eight shots on goals. Excuse me. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe maybe it was just shot. Maybe it's just shots then instead of just shots on target. But for Zlatan, I I, I always say that he's. When Kunigro is out, I think he is the number one forward. And even though Diego Costa has been, he he can't stop scoring. I still I would. There's never a, ga- a game week where I think that Diego Costa is heads above Zlatan Ibrahimovic in any matchup. Oh, John, would you agree with that or no? Um, I know the stats he, may not indicate it, but yeah, he definitely takes an, he definitely takes game. the most shots. Um, and I have a hard time taking him off the top three list, certainly. Um, but again, it kind of depends on what format you're playing in. If you're playing in a goals, you know, a goal-heavy format, then I absolutely would take uh, Ibrahimovic. Um, I don't personally own him, actually. My three forwards in that format right now are Michi Bashuai, uh, Christian Benteke, and Jermaine Defoe. But that's mostly because I am enamored with high-priced midfielders. Um, and it's... All right, let me put it back to you this way. If you needed... 15 points out of your forward this week. Are you starting Raheem Sterling or Roberto Firmino? Pick one of the two of them. Or Zlatan Ibrahimovic? For me, it, for me, I ranked them in a goal. You, you said it's goal heavy? Well, no, I'm just saying, like, so in our format, right? Because I think in goal okay. heavy, it, it's always, Zlatan is always yeah. top three. In, in FPL yeah. official, I think he's top three every single week. I mean, it's hard to get away from it. But in any other kind of format, whether it's DraftKings or Taga I would say, or anything I would else. say Firmino one, then Zlatan two, and Sterling a very distant three. Right. And I mean, so once you start putting guys like Firmino up there, you have to look at, like, in my opinion, at least those second-tier Firmino-type players. That So, like, that's actually somebody this year. Like, that's Christian Benteke. That's uh, what Yannick Velassi was doing before he suffered his uh, ligament injury to put him out for the rest of the season. So when you look at my ranks, you, you're going to see Zlatan you know, dropping down into the 7 through 10 range a lot. It's not that I don't think you should start him if you own him. It's just if somebody came to me and said, hey, I'll trade you Roberto Firmino or uh, you know, uh, Romelu Lukaku straight up for uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, I'd give it serious thought. And because they were coming to me, I would probably just try and get like a little bit of a second piece off of them in that deal. Um, and then to make the move, because while he's a monster in goal-dependent formats, he's goal-dependent. Are we going to ignore that he's the that he's a higher-scoring player than Firmino and Lukaku in Taga? Like we're talking Black about a goal-dependent. 
Ibrahimovic is ahead of Firmino and Lukaku. That had to have happened this week then. By the way, last week's numbers though. But yeah, I mean, that point still holds for me because I mean, like he's been in really good goal scoring form. And even when those guys aren't scoring, they're still putting in like tons of value. And yeah, Zlatan just, he's half a point higher than Firmino. Yeah, but, but you're, you're like dismissing <laughs> yeah. him like he's just, like he's Andy well, Carroll. No, but I mean, like... <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I'm saying he's like the seventh best forward in the game. I mean, that's definitely not Andy Carroll. But like, it, it, so I mean, it kind of it washes like that, that weird little, like walks that weird little line of like, I would rather get 15 to 20 consistent points every week than somebody that's like boom or bust. That's mm -hmm. why I still, you know, that's why I really like Dimitri Payet even over somebody like Kevin De Bruyne, um coming into the season. Because, yeah, I think De Bruyne is capable of posting like a 50-point game. I mean, he's like, you know, he's Alexis on City. But you know what Payet's going to give you almost every match. Yeah, I think maybe it's just because I've been burned by Firmino over the last few weeks. But like he's been, <laughs> he's been bust the last five weeks or so, six weeks. In salary cap. Taga. Yeah, I mean, he's been blanking. He, he hasn't scored more than 11 points in six straight weeks. Yeah, that's fair. Including I mean, a wonderful accurate, minus it's all, it's two. Also, it's, a, it's a fair assessment. Yeah, I guess the, I understand the argument against goal-dependent forwards, but I'm not sure it applies to the guy who may win the golden boot. <laughs> well, so that's a good question. Where do you think he ends up finishing? He's what on eleven goals? Yeah. Somebody tweeted me the other day and asked if you know if Zlatan was a lock to get twenty-five, and I tweeted back the response that in each of the last three seasons, exactly one person has done it. It was Harry Kane last year. It was uh, Sergio Aguero the year before that, and it was uh, Luis Suarez the season before that. Like one person gets to that plateau. Yeah. Like I, I don't see that Zlatan. I mean, I think we all agree he's like in his current scoring form is like what he is. And in his current scoring form, he's on pace for 22 goals. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's like a lock for 20, but I think there are only three guys who could legitimately get to 25, and he's one of them. <sighs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's totally fair. And can you just imagine if he wasn't over 30 mm -hmm. in this league? I'm going to change that to four guys who could hit 25. I was, well, leaving, I, mean, I was leaving Diego Costa out. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Diego Costa may have something to say about it, but it's yeah. fine. I, I, he, he also may get a six-game suspension red card. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, let's go on to uh, the, south, the, the South Coast Derby. It was Burnmouth 1, Southampton 3. Jay Rodriguez returned to the forward position and scored twice. Who knew? <laughs> uh, Ryan Bertrand leveled after Nathan Ake opened the scoring for Burnmouth. He won't play next week. Uh, but that's Jack Wilshire assisting Nathan Ake. Oh, Jack Wilshire got on the scoreboard, for Christ's sake. Uh, Nathan Redmond, Stephen Davis, two of our least favorite players, and Jordan Classy getting assists for Southampton. If you had told me, well, actually, John Wallen, earlier earlier in the podcast, you mentioned that Fraser Forrester had seven clean sheets. I could have had 19 guesses and not known that. <laughs> like, if you had told me, like, which goalkeeper has seven clean sheets, I would have picked all the other goalkeepers before Fraser Forrester. That was astounding to me. I, I really had no idea. But he does let up the opening goal in this one, uh, which was a, a really nice effort play by Nathan Ake. But outside of that, Southampton just put the clamps on and then you know, they leveled up and then just took the game over from there uh, in Claude Poole style, as, I, as I've been mentioning to, uh, to, to Andrew, that 
they set up defensively first, and then they they score second. So in this one, even though they let up the first goal, they just they kept their shape and they kind of just shut Burmouth out after that. I saw yeah, Jay really Rodriguez funny. on a uh, in an article the other day about potential DP players for NYCFC, and I think that pissed him off enough that he scored twice. <laughs> That's so, my analysis from this game. Fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, John, I cut <laughs> my you off. Analysis, <laughs> no, my analysis is that uh, J-Rod immediately surpasses Shane Long, and I think he's midfield ranked oh, in yeah. the official game. Is he midfield ranked in our game? Because I'm like 100% sure I don't know. If you give me two seconds, I'll tell you. He um, is a forward. Yeah, which is probably accurate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, the reason that I think J-Rod is absolutely a buy, and I think he's a buy in all formats, is not only because Dusan Tadic apparently doesn't deserve a place for whatever reason, um, but also because um, Safane Bufal is on his way to Africa Cup of Nations as well. And this is a team that's just it's devoid of any kind of attacking threat. Um, same kind of question that you asked uh, me earlier, Mike, which is, you know, can you name the goal scorers for Southampton? Because... Nope. <laughs> Nope. Andrew and I have talked about this at length. Uh, you know, when it was Charlie Austin scoring goals, we're like, oh, this is finally what we were looking for. You have Buffal on one side, you can have Nathan Redmond on the other, or Dusan Tadic to provide service, and now no Charlie Austin, and now it's kind of empty in the middle there. So, okay, let me ask you, let me ask you a better question. Can you name the second highest goal scorer on Southampton this season? Ryan Bertrand. Jay Rodriguez. <laughs> I was I was thinking that Jay Rodriguez was first with two. And Jay Bush Rodriguez was tied for is second, second with, with three. He's tied with Nathan Redmond. For all his faults, Nathan Redmond has scored goals this season. He scored three. So it's it's Austin with six. <laughs> Jay Rod with three. Redmond with three. We're now we're now level with Diego Costa. And then Haddish with one, Bertrand with one, JWP with one, and Buffal with one. We were just laughing. Sorry, we were laughing because you said he scored three goals, and you said, to be fair, he scored goals this season. Yes, he (laughs) has. Only only by definition has he scored goals this season because it's more than one. Guys, if if there's one player I love more than Roberto Firmino, it's Nathan Redmond. Yeah. So. I love uh, Nathan Redmond too. I was a big fan at the beginning of the year along with you because I loved him on Norwich. He just didn't get the consistent playing time. But M- Mike, in fairness, he, Nathan Redmond has just as many goals as Paul Pogba, so he must be just as good. That's true. I don't see that any other way around and, it. That is deep and true. Yep. Technically, he's younger, like so, so he still has more potential. That's right. <laughs> <sighs> we got to move on. That was, that, I, ex- that, that, I exist just to give you guys things to start your podcast with. This is no, this is great. Uh, I absolutely love it. Let's go on to the game that actually mattered, huh? It was Manchester City 2, some team that Andrew likes won. Um, Theo Walcott. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I know it's frustrating, Andrew, but you know that Manchester City played better than Arsenal, right? Um, yeah, but only for 85 minutes. <laughs> That's true. They didn't dominate. Can we dispense with the idea that either of these teams played well? When you, well, neither team is uh, – I, I, Manchester City, this is what I've always said. Everyone keeps banging on the city defense, and I think it's not the defense's fault when the because they press so high to get the ball back with the midfield that the lines are just broken after that, and then it's like three on the whoever's still back on defense. So it's, re, it's really more of a system thing. However, 
with Arsenal, did you know that Theo Walcott has attempted the most shots on the most shots from inside the 18-yard box than any player in the Premier League in the past six weeks? No, but I believe it. Yeah, I mean, it seems logical. Like he's definitely not—he's uh, not Philip Coutinho. I mean, he's—he wants to be a striker, no matter where Winger plays him on the pitch. He wants to be a striker. Yeah. And Alexi Sanchez just wants to be everywhere on the pitch. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, he just wants to be where the ball is. So mm-hmm. it makes me wonder why Theo Walcott isn't in the middle and Sanchez on the wing. Well, I mean, in fairness, Sanchez has had a pretty decent season playing centrally. Yeah, or theoretically but, lining uh, up centrally. Sorry, sorry. Let me go through the goals here. It was it was Theo Walcott, as I was mentioning before. That's why I was talking about him. Uh, Theo Walcott got the goal assisted by Alexis, and uh, it was Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sané scoring for Manchester City, assisted by David Silva, who we all usually don't like, and Kevin De Bruyne, who we usually love. And the linesman. so a lot of. I'm sorry. I said and the linesman. That's right. Uh, <laughs> spoken like a true Arsenal fan. You got to get that one. <laughs> I love watching because on the uh, the first goal, Sané's was first, right? That was the uh, or what, whatever it was on Sané's goal. They were like, "Yeah, it's definitely not offside." Look at this, and then they like, go to the replay, and it's like blatantly offside. And they're like, "Well, you know, it's kind of a tough call there in real time." And it's like, "Yep," in the time that they actually make the call all the time. But, in the yeah. time that in the time that they're actually paid they're to actually make calls. Doing it, yeah. But anyway, well, yeah, well, in they were that close. I'll give it to them. They were, they in were that close. development, the Club World Cup that recently happened—that's a thing. Um, they used video replay to change a call. Was it on an offside call? I believe it was. Can't say I watched much on a Club penalty call. It was a penalty call, so like oh. they didn't call a penalty on. I think it was a corner kick, and then they looked at the replay and saw that it was a blatant elbow to the face. Mm. Zidane threw the red flag. The out. penalty. <laughs> no, pretty much but yo, know, i'm just saying that like you know on that front it looks as though that fifa is slowly inching towards using some kind of video replay system for this for okay. these types of purposes yeah no and another key thing for manchester city um just keep the ball away from claudio bravo in at, at all at all possible ways yeah. uh no saves and he let up a goal so he was they, they probably could have played a roaming goalie and been just as effective yeah, I'll give. I mean, I don't know if anybody was really thinking he was a great fantasy option anyway. So, I don't know if that many people got burned by it. No, but it's just it's interesting that Claudio Bravo was supposed to be the guy to be significantly better than Joe Hart, and he's worse. Hmm. But he's good with his feet. Sometimes, maybe. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> so, John, you mentioned Raheem Sterling earlier in terms of you know whether we would rank him along with like Firmino and Zlatan. Are you high on Raheem Sterling? Yeah, I'm, I'm really high on Raheem Sterling. I'm particularly high on him um, while Aguero remains out suspended. Um, but I think that he's shown uh, and Pep has shown that when Sterling is healthy, he's going to be a vital part of that team. Um, it's interesting that you said, you know, uh, typically this season, none of us have been very high on David Silva. And, and that was actually a point I made this week, too. Um, I picked David Silva to um, in my perfect 11. And noted that while we all do tend to bag on him a little bit, particularly um, when he's compared against his shinier, newer, younger teammates, Silva's got five straight seasons of 10 assists and um, looks like he'll be on pace for that again now in his last three or four matches. Uh, he's got a goal and two assists. He's brought his total back up to four. He's playing 90 minutes. 
Um, I think that Silva and, and, and Sterling complement each other very well. And I think that when you have Aguero back and healthy, when you have Kevin De Bruyne playing in Kevin De Bruyne's preferred position, um, once you have that team kind of coalesce in behind them, they're able to more effectively um, play to Pep's preferred tactics. And that's when that team is most dangerous. So, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be happier if Sterling was healthier. Um, but, I mean, he's, he's doing fine for what he is right now. Andrew, what, 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 uh, what, what do you think Raheem Sterling is right now? A nice quick winger. Like, I, I don't <clears> – I won't have him anywhere. Is he Jesus Navas, but crosses no. less? No, 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 no. He's much better than that. But, I mean, he he created seven chances against Arsenal, which um, I don't know if that says more about Sterling or Arsenal. But um, I just he's just so inconsistent. Like we were talking earlier about how, um, you know, we like guys who are consistent. I mean, he does create a fair number of chances, but um, I don't know. Maybe I'm too low on him. Yeah, this was that. This was by far Arsenal. Oh, I'm sorry, that was De Bruyne who created those chances. Not sorry, I was looking at the wrong screen there. So Sterling for me, this <laughs> this was this was a surprising result to me because Arsenal, are the best road team in the Premier League, and this was by far their worst game on the road, and came couldn't come couldn't have come at a worse time. Um, but that's usually how Arsenal goes, right? Yeah, yeah, par for the yeah. course. Real, so real quick, I just want to back Andrew's point up on Raheem Sterling. I mean. Raheem Sterling has two games this season where he scored negative points in Taga. He scored negative one against Manchester United in week four, and he scored a negative a half point game week seven against Tottenham. He also has scored 30 and 40 points in respective weeks. He scored 30 against West Ham, 40 against Bournemouth. Um, In the last, let's just use a good sample, the last five weeks, he has returns of four points and five points. He also has returns of 16 and 17 and a half. He's he's all over the place. And at the end of the time, you know, at the end of the day, He's the third highest scorer in our format um, for Manchester City. He only trails KDB and Aguero. Um, but the way he gets there can be maddening, maddening um, if you're an FPL owner. That's that, that's a lot of volatility there. But let's go over to the, uh, the other northern London team in Spurs, who, uh, like I said before, took on Burnley. Uh, they did get the win 2-1, but they did let up that goal. So anyone who had Hugo Lloris were vastly disappointed uh it was danny rose and delhi alley getting on the score sheet for spurs uh, get, uh kyle walker getting an assist and musa uh, muso sissoko good god why can't i speak today um getting the assist and ashley barnes getting the lone goal for burnley uh the uh, i mean the stories for me still are the fullbacks for spurs uh continuing to put up massive fantasy points along with tom heaton and burnley in any situation uh, Andrew, a- a- anything that you would want to add to this game? Yeah, I mean, Christian Eriksen took seven more shots, so uh, any thought that <clears throat> that may slow down was quickly uh, pushed to the side. So uh, I still think, really in terms of goals, when you look at Spurs, it's still Eriksen and not Kane. And for, I mean, is it, it, it's come at the detriment of Kane at this point, right, John? I mean, it, it, as, as long as Christian Eriksen is taking all these shots, there's there, the, the ball, there's not enough balls on the pitch for, for Harry Kane. Yeah. Which is a kind of a weird thing because this is exactly how they both thrived last year. So I don't know why they're not back in rhythm. Um, but it's Eriksen by a mile. I mean, particularly if you're in the salary cap game, his price is like nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's phenomenal. Uh, I, I mean, again, like, 
Erickson's one of those guys that ticks the boxes for me. He's a guy that can score 10 goals. He can hit 10 assists. He's going to contribute um, heavily in the final third of you know of the game. But real quick, the, the storyline for me here was Tom Heaton back from injury, and he posted seven saves. I mean, that's it's phenomenal. And, and it kind of flies in the face of what I was saying a few weeks ago, which was like, yeah, I mean, he's making boatloads of saves, but at some point this has to come crashing down, and he's going to start conceding boatloads of goals. Seems like Tom Heaton's, you know, this is his year. He's going to make 175 saves. He's going to be by far the most valuable goalkeeper, uh, pound for pound in fantasy. And he's going to keep out anything that isn't like either a complete fluke or an absolute like all-world strike. Yeah, uh, I mean, the way Burnley play is they invite you to shoot from outside the 18, which will lead to either really, really good goals from Felipe Coutinho, or it will lead to lots of balls dribbling into the goalkeeper. Yeah, or or, I mean, or shots that go high and wide. I mean, that that's where they let up a lot of their shots, and they will let you take those shots repeatedly. And t- uh, most teams just do. And they, uh, what what he does well is if he has to parry the ball, he parries it either out of play for a corner or to one of his defenders. His rebound control, if you want to use a hockey term here, has been phenomenal this season as well. All right, let's get to the team that Wallen cares about here. We have Liverpool in the Derby going to Goodison Park across Stanley Park and getting the 1-0 victory. Sadio Mane scoring from Daniel Sturridge's assist. That was a well-fought victory for Liverpool, wasn't it, John? This was uh, this was Manchester City versus Arsenal with like worse players. I mean, it's <laughs> like it was not particularly enjoyable to watch. Um, would have been significantly better if Roberto Firmino hadn't hit the post, had Seamus Coleman clear the ball off the line in the 96th minute and generally looked like a touch livelier when he had it at his feet, um, just personally for fantasy reasons. Um, But I think this highlights two huge um, storylines going into January. The first is, will Daniel Sturridge be sold? And I think that what he's shown in his limited minutes is that he is actually a very important part of Jurgen Klopp's plans and has the ability to uh, to excel when you know given that opportunity. Now, for whatever reason, he's you know he's not part of um, that front three on a regular basis. Now, whether that's injury or it's because when he was fit and Coutinho was fit, Coutinho was simply viewed as the better player. I don't know, but Sadio Mane leaves for Afcon. That's a massive hit for Liverpool. Um, Coutinho, we still don't know. When he's going to be back, and, and certainly no one at this point can project how he's going to play. Um, so I think that when we look back at game week 17, we're going to say, like, the storylines that came out of that were Daniel Sturridge got an assist, and, you know, that maybe kept him at Anfield for six more months, and Liverpool went out and bought player X during the January transfer window because they realized they are wholly dependent on Sadio Mane to get three points. Well, I also think that they may want to inquire possibly about getting a left back so that James Miller doesn't have to play there all the time. Honestly, like it doesn't even bother me that he's there. Like I would almost prefer that they went out and bought like a very, very good center back. Yeah. Because in the absence of Joel Maddop, the guys that were running out there, I mean, listen, uh, Ragnar Klavan and, and um, Dusan Tadic, like to their credit, have combined with Simone Mignolet to post back-to-back clean sheets, which is just De- what we all De- thought we De- would De- be saying De- three weeks ago. Dejan Lovren, not Dusan Tadic. I'm sorry. Yeah, David. Listen, they all play for Southampton. They all eventually play for Liverpool. Basically, the same guy. Um, Jose Fon will be next. <laughs> no, Virgil Van Dyke will be next, and that's exactly who they no, should go out no, and get. Nope. Chelsea's <laughs> interested now. 
Chelsea's interested in him now. I don't think so. So it's one of those things where, again, like the match was what the match was. And I don't think that necessarily for fantasy purposes, we're taking a lot away from it. But I do think that those storylines are going to have fantasy impact because I think that we're going to see Jurgen Klopp in the market for starting 11 caliber players, impactful players. And so if you're playing in a draft format, just be mindful of your waiver wire or, or your fab money because there's in, you know, in two more weeks, there's going to be a glut of new talent coming in and we're going to have to sit down and, and hash out who we think are, are going to be the players to invest in for the back half of the season. Yes, and we will be talking about that and more on future episodes of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. I just realized what time it was, and I have an appointment to move apartments in New York City. So uh, on that note, and also on the note of thank you to John Wallen, not only for joining us, but letting me pick up Jay Rodriguez in the Pataga Premier Division while he was talking about Jay Rodriguez. You convinced me there, and John, (laughs) thank you again. Uh, It's always a pleasure having you. Uh, Maybe next time when I climb back into first place and then lose first place again, we'll have you on again, huh? That sounds great. All right. And for John and for Andrew, I have been Mike Gottlieb, and we will catch you later on this week when we preview game week number 18 in the Premier League. Talk to you guys then. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.